my thought is really to objectively understand who you are and where you can fit in the market. And if it aligns to your belief and your purpose and your mission, then that's really the wonderful start point. And everything just flows out of that quite wonderfully. Hello there and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. As you know, my name's Rick Nusky and for those who are actually here for the first time, welcome to the show. I'm not sure how you found us, but I know that you're in for a treat today because on today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming author, president and brand strategist at View Brand and Content, Mr. Henry Wong. Welcome to the show, Henry. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Rick. It's a real pleasure to uh, connect with you. Yes, absolutely. A pleasure to have you here. Now, you and I today, we're going to be talking about leadership, storytelling, and your latest book, Telling Your Story, Building Your Brand. I love the title of that book, and we're going to take a deep dive into that. But uh, first and foremost... It's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Oh, no. Look, I, I practiced it a couple of times, and I had it down. No problems <laughs> at all. So where are you calling in from today, Henry? Uh, Toronto, Canada. Beautiful. Tell us a little bit about what you love about the place. Uh, you know, I think for uh, times like today where we have a lot of snow and cold, I, I do wish I was in warmer temperatures, but <laughs> as the seasons change, it, it really, you really enjoy the, uh, the changing of the guard, you know, the changing of, uh, of the sun. So uh, it's really where uh, life and family is here. So it, it's a little bit hard to move off of that. Yeah. So do you have to, like, do you embrace sort of hobbies that are to do with uh, snow and things like that? Because I love the cold weather myself. Yeah, true. Very true. Uh, so, you know, in the past, everything from uh, tobogganing to uh, skiing, of course, but these days, because of the focus on business, uh, most of the activities are indoors. Uh, I, I'm quite a, a bit of a, a wheel nut, meaning that I love anything on wheels, oh. so bicycling, motorcycling, cars. So the winter months are actually spent uh, gearing up for that, you know, riding a, a vehicle, you know, you know, tuning the car, tuning the motorcycle. Very, very enjoyable. And and I think for a lot of uh, listeners, they probably can identify with that because it, and it, you use your brain so much through the day. It's really nice to be able to do something mechanical and, and turn your brain off and just focus on that for a while. Isn't it amazing how you have to be in that singular moment, Henry, when you're on a push bike, there's nothing else that you're thinking about. How important is that for you to, you know, to have that single train of thought occasionally? You know, I, I think you're absolutely right. There's just so many thoughts. And uh, like many people, you have ideas running constantly through the head. And it's wonderful to be able to just, you know, put on a helmet and uh, sort of zen out and <laughs> just focus on nothing but the road and, and just empty your thoughts. It's very meditative. And, and I think for anybody in a leadership position, being able to empty your mind like that so you can focus on things when you get back to it is just a wonderful remedy for all that ails you. I oh, love it. Love that. Now, tell me a little bit about your most favorite motorbike. What style of bike is it? Being a, a biker myself, I, I actually like cruisers. Or are you a sports bike type of guy? A little bit more, yeah, city and, and sports uh, bike. Uh, so I, I got my motorcycle license probably about 20 years ago, or legally got it 20 years ago. <laughs> and I, I, I liked the Ducati so much, I oh. decided to buy that. But it was probably too big of a, you know, too powerful <laughs> of a bike for me. And, and I remember the first time going out in the parking lot and I go, oh, my goodness, what have I done? <laughs> There, there, used to, there used to be this departure from the colours that Ducati used to have, you know, their rich red. And uh, uh, there was a time I recall they were trying to explore different colours. Uh, how many different colours do they have? Did they have a yellow, um, a yellow Ducati? They do, yeah. yeah. No, no, in, in my initial, I, I've had 
two Ducatis now, and the first one was uh, black, and uh, I was a little bit hesitant to get a bright red one, which I currently have now, but at the same time, I realized there's it it quite a bit of a safety feature built into a bright color that oh, people yeah. can see you. Yeah, there's definitely the, that beautiful, rich sound that comes out of a Ducati as well. Oh, my uh, yeah. goodness. Are, are you still riding, Rick? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I actually ride a Honda, but don't tell anybody. I'm a little bit embarrassed. I'd like to upgrade, <laughs> but, you know, they're not. They're actually quite a good bike. They're quite reliable, I've found. But, um, Very reliable. I, I have friends who have ones from the 80s, and they're they're still going strong, so you, you can do no wrong with them. Absolutely. Yeah, I love this core. I love taking a deep dive into, you know, the, the things that you enjoy doing. I wonder about sports do you I, one thing that comes to mind is ice hockey is that is that something that you enjoy over there what's your thing you know i, I unfortunately my roots were we weren't a, a particularly well-off family initially uh, and so my my family couldn't my mother and father couldn't afford uh, the hockey equipment that typically is very expensive but i did play a lot of hockey and it was the in the backyard where we made our own rinks poured water in ran the hose from the house and uh up kept it and, and just played uh, with the neighborhood kids. Uh, and I think that's true of many Canadians. You, you really become part of the winter scene when you uh, uh, don a pair of ice skates and, and get out there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now tell us a little bit about music and movies. Uh, is there anything that takes your fancy? Uh, you know, I'm unfortunately for my wife, one of these people who just enjoys every type of genre and particularly in film. So I, I will watch the schlockiest B movie, you know, something <laughs> with Nick, Nicolas Cage uh, to very high concept uh, movies, uh, you know, very much like uh, along the lines of a Christopher Nolan yes. uh, a bit of um, uh, storytelling. And I, I think that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? If it's a good story, it really doesn't matter yes, uh, what, what sort of form it takes. Variety is the spice of life, that's for sure. And certain now, talking yeah. about spices of life, I was doing my research and I came across a favorite food, or what I think might be a favorite food for you, but you need to tell me about it because I'm not sure what it is. What is kimchi? Oh, okay. So uh, that is, happens to be a brand that I'm assisting currently right now. Uh, kimchi is, so if, if you know sauerkraut, uh, it's really the Korean version of sauerkraut. Ah, so a fermented cabbage that has uh, wonderful probiotics that help stimulate your gut health. But uh, for many uh, people in the Asian culture, it's just a nice way to add some spice and flavor to existing foods or as a bit of an appetizer. Yeah, wow. Well, there you go. Do you have any other favorite foods that uh, you enjoy with your with your wife? Uh, well, these days it's uh, a lot of ramen, and uh, ramen? you know we did a ramen tour of Japan, so we quite enjoyed that. Uh, but I'm uh, currently also doing a dual role as uh, chief marketing officer of a, a ramen company based in the uh, U.S. And uh, every week, every day, every second day, I'm consuming some form <laughs> of noodle or not. So you would think by now I'm quite tired of it, but uh, no. and, and we'll perhaps get into the uh, the story behind it, uh, of yeah. course. But uh, there's just something quite enjoyable and soothing and comforting about a, a bowl of soup and noodles. Oh, yes, absolutely. And we will shift gears um, once we've gone through this first stage of the call to talk about more of those things. But I'd love to talk a little bit about uh, your childhood. Can you recall... Um, a fond memory growing up that you could share with us? Uh, you know, I think it was, a, my father worked a lot, um, but I, I do recall 
uh, whenever he came home, even though it was late at night, he was very present and, and played with us and joked with us. And that, I think, is beyond any sort of toys or act, sports activities we had, just that time with my father. And I, I think like many people who become of a certain age, when your um, parent passes on, you do recall hopefully the best of these memories. Oh, yeah. But he, he, but he did shape a lot of my, my being today. And I, I, I'm quite appreciative of uh, really not so much the guidance, because he wasn't always there but just the example he set and uh, you know I, I think back on uh, one instance in which I you know as a little boy I found a, a ball in the middle of the road and I brought it home and I was so excited to my uh, I said to my dad look what I found look what I found a, a ball because I, I, I didn't have one I was so happy that I could potentially keep it and he um, told me to put it back on the road oh and um i was devastated i thought well why can't i thought you know life was finders keepers losers weepers you know that was yeah. the mentality I, I i had been sort of attuned to from other, other kids you know but he framed it not because it was right or that was the thing i should do he said you know that little boy or girl might come back for it at another point and uh, you wouldn't want him to be missing it would you so that to me gave me the reason to understand why you do certain things and it was a such a valuable lesson you know that of thinking of others rather than thinking of yourself uh, and so the ball went back and I, I didn't bear any bad or ill will whatsoever yeah but you learned that lesson like you said henry and that you know they you carry those lessons through the years and then you pass them on in some way shape or form i wonder um also were there other people in those formative years that helped you become the person you've become today mentors and the likes yeah i, I certainly think so i mean certainly uh, i grew up in a fairly rough neighborhood so i i could have deviated very easily to the dark side and and lived a life of crime like uh some of <laughs> some of the kids but yep. you know i think uh as you sort of maintain this sort of moral fiber you, you look upon life that way i was very fortunate uh, in that uh, growing up in advertising that i i did have mentors because there wasn't a mentoring system the way we have now where you can formalize and connect with people on a matchmaking uh, service of sorts to get a mentor those days you you really you know if people took you under your wing you became their apprentice and yeah. and that's how i learned the craft of advertising through some of the uh, greats uh, themselves you know people who were quite renowned in the industry who took the time to spend with me and, and teach me the ropes and and get me uh thinking in a, in a different way and and for that i'm forever thankful because it really mapped out my career and my my what you know bit of success i have today great feedback thank you very much now i'm wondering um if you could just share for context i guess your educational and your professional background with the audience uh, very different from where I, many people who uh, end up in advertising and branding come from all walks of life and myself, I've hired uh, people from uh, those walks of life, everyone from musicians to taxi drivers who yeah. just become wonderful creative people. Um, my, my own training really came from uh, the media side, training in, in media, uh, you know, double degree in, in film. I did my thesis on uh, kung fu films and, and the like. <laughs> 
It gained nothing whatsoever to do with the, what, the life I'm leading now. But what it did do was give me a certain discipline to finish, uh, 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 you know, uh, a degree, two degrees, and, yep. and begin to uh, move on that way. But the real uh, education for this sort of life uh, begins just by doing. You know, the what you can learn from people, the actual practical uh, knowledge that you gain working on campaigns and working on strategy was fantastic. Uh, I, you know, eventually I, I you know, was decent enough where I uh, eventually became creative director of Saatchi and Saatchi in uh, Canada. And uh, with that, of course, there is built-in training. I, I learned uh, a lot about planning and strategy and yep. formalized courses that uh, they had uh, people take. And uh, uh, in many ways, I, again, helped to further shape me. But I, I think any if you're open and you're curious, I, I think you can learn anything along the way just by picking up things from people. That's great feedback. Now, I always think about what I'm going to do in my life. I'm wondering, do you have a bucket list and what's in it? You know, I, I think that uh, bucket list is forever uh, going on. <laughs> it's uh, changing. For me. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know, I think there, there's so much to see in this world and uh, you, you come across different people and that activates a, a different sort of call to action to get to another place. But, I, you know, I, I think uh, when I, uh, for example, look to hire people, I see if they're open to travel, if they've done a lot of that. Yep. And I think that certainly is the best education in life for anybody just to open your eyes to the way other people see things and live and and it uh, creates an openness in, in yourself so my, my bucket list is to really just to continue to do this you know do what you do at, at one point yeah at one point I, I did joke a lot about just to being able to get to a point where i'll i'll be uh, i can simply goof off and do nothing <laughs> but i think a lot of that really has to do with uh the amount of work and volume that's happening. Uh, but I have a feeling that as long as, uh, you know, as we become older, that intellectual stimulation, no matter what you do, maybe the idea isn't to retire. The idea is to keep active, at least from um, an intellectual yes. side so that you can, uh, yeah. Well, it's a very interesting point that you make because I often think about this when people retire from roles. They they often stop. Their entire life goes away because they don't continue to set goals. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. You know, I think uh, a constant check on things. One of the things I, I do is I try to learn something new every season. And I think that in itself is a, uh, a an objective that certainly keeps my mind active. And, mm -hmm. I, and hopefully as I get into, you know, these senior years, yes. it will <laughs> find a way to keep my, my brain or body active in some way. Yeah, fantastic feedback. Loving this call. Now let's shift gears a little bit now, Henry. And tell sure. us a bit about the View brand. Mm. So uh, a number of years ago, I, I guess uh, seven years ago, uh, I, you know, so post uh, working with the bigger agencies, I began to. Uh, form uh, smaller agencies with different partners. And mm -hmm. in one agency incarnation, I had um, an older partner. And unfortunately, he passed away um, and his, his symptoms were uh, Alzheimer related. So uh, towards the end, he, he was unfortunately not of uh, sound mind. Mm -hmm. uh, at that point, I decided to do a little bit of a reset on the way I approached business because it was quite um, uh, sad to uh, see a, a, a wonderful man uh, pass away like that. Um, yeah. uh, so I, I started the, uh, this company called View um, that would really focus on high impact companies, meaning that I decided I only want to work with organizations and companies that want to have a, a positive impact on society. 
Um, and that in itself, I thought, would be a little bit of a retirement type of business where less people would be interested in working with me. I could taper <laughs> back. Uh, you know, funny enough, the opposite happened. Opposite where, is true. Yeah, yeah. And it also gravitated a lot of uh, wonderful team players to uh, come on board, you know, because they saw a vision of where I was taking this uh, uh, company and the type of work that we would do and have a positive impact on society ourselves as a result. So it, uh, that in itself has uh, led to many uh, wonderful opportunities. And I think um, it told me as well how important purpose is in formulating uh, both the intent of your company, but also in, in the stories that you tell in the in the method by which you share the stories about yourself it's the backbone to everything that is now before we um, start talking about that directly tell us a little bit about the brands and different personalities that you've worked with because i know that the uh, list is fairly impressive oh well thank you i mean from from my roots and that i i was quite fortunate in uh, having the ability or the opportunity to work with very large brands like toyota and Procter and Gamble, and that really helped to form a, a certain discipline. Uh, but uh, more importantly, o over the years, it's uh, you know a lot of the uh, smaller companies that I've been uh, witness to uh, fantastic growth and uh, being able to rocket to uh, large size proportions. I, I've taken the same sort of discipline for branding and I've applied it to personal. Uh, uh, brands as well, or people brands, as I, I call it, and that's helped them uh, catapult themselves as founders. So it's been in the fintech world, it's been in, uh, uh, you know, amongst the sports uh, field, even politics yep. itself. Uh, you know, I, I do have an NDA with a lot of them in, in terms of being this uh, whisper in the background. So <laughs> yep. I, uh, some names I, I can mention, some I can't, but, yep. uh, you know, it's been a wonderful journey in terms of applying, you know, these large brand disciplines to people in itself. And I think that's what obviously led to the writing of my, my book, be able to share some of this knowledge for people who may not be able to have access to this sort of thinking and uh, discipline to maybe uh, manifest their own brand, personal brand, as it relates to their company. Yeah, I'd love to uh, look at the correlation between, uh, well, first of all, it's a two-part question, the difference between that personal brand and a, a business brand and the relationship that it has with the ability to lead. You know, I, I'd like to think of it not being different in that way because the right. same sort of discipline, the same sort of positioning in the market, the way you focus on the key message, the way you enact the message and get it out through different media are one and the same. Right. Where they can run into some disconnect is often when the founder has one personality, one brand, but the brand begins taking on another form. And that's where the disharmony can sometimes happen. So the founder of a business can, you know, the company takes a shape of his personality and they're one in the same they become one in the same brand uh, often at times you inject somebody or the company grows beyond perhaps what the founder has set out to do and it takes on a different form and that's where often there's a disconnect and you often hear amongst uh, employees and staff well this isn't the company i had signed on with initially and that's often what happens when you begin deviating from that sort of core purpose uh, of what the organization is all about so I'm wondering, um, how is it that somebody can go about building their personal brand? Is, it, is there a particular process that goes goes on behind the background? Oh, absolutely. And it really 
uh, starts with taking stock of who you are, really taking an audit uh, of yourself. So if we're talking from whether it's a personal brand or a product brand, mm -hmm. it, it becomes that initial bit of research that you do to understand uh, what you stand for, yeah. what the, the strengths of the product, the weaknesses. So the same thing applies to the person. And so the tendency of many people, particularly founders, is they have one view of themselves and that's their themselves. The process I run people through is to take into account other people's views, you know, their colleagues, their friends, their family, so that we can get a full picture because our, our you know, viewpoint of ourselves is often, you know, somewhat tainted or, or perhaps wrapped up in things <laughs> that are a little bit rosy, yep. but, but that's okay too. You know, I think many people succeed as a result of being somewhat deluded and believing they can succeed and when they do it of course it works out but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it all ties together so that first part is really taking stock of who and what you are and uh, being able to compile that and and, and uh, assess it against all the different uh, touch points of how you might uh, be interpreted by people. Once you have that understanding, you can gain some insight in what truly what makes you special and unique in your marketplace. From that, we uh, look at the positioning and how you stack up against the competition yep. and how do we express it now as a, as a key message. So there's a number of sort of exercises that I run people through uh, to get to the, that key message. And once you decide that, only then do you decide, and this works especially with uh, product brands, of course, yep. only then do you decide to manifest anything creatively the logo comes or the slogan comes or uh, the advertising concepts come once you've determined that sort of positioning and key message because if you do that um at the end or backwards then you're really just using uh more of a subjective view to determine where you are yeah, my, my thought is really to really fully objectively understand who you are and where you can fit in the market. And if it aligns to your belief and your purpose and your mission, then that's really the wonderful start point. And everything just flows out of that quite wonderfully. When I hear the word uh, storytelling, I often think about those early days uh, of my grandparents reading me books all those years ago and it seems to me that every single interaction we have even if we recognize it or not Henry we're telling stories aren't we we are you know and when I think it fits a certain sort of format that uh, appeals to you uh, it uh, is just a wonderful reinforcement of uh, of that uh, story so I, I think for a lot of people, they often wonder, well, should I tell the same story again? And again, aren't people tired of it? But you provide a wonderful example, particularly as a young child, you, there was no shortage of attention that you had for the same story over and over again. <laughs> you, you love the ending, you oh, love yeah. the way it carried out. And, and this is true. We all know the story of Steve Jobs, for example. We know the story of how Elon Musk ascended and other sort of uh, very prominent figures, but we never tire of hearing it uh, because it, it seems to fit in something that reinforces our, our own belief system. Yeah, I love this. Um, the fact that we're, you know, really focusing in on the ability to tell stories really dovetails nicely into my next question because it's about elevator pitches and pitch decks. I wonder if you can just explain the relationship between storytelling and those two things. 
I think once you understand what the essence of your story is, it it, it needs to permeate through all these different uh, touch points. So a pitch deck, whether you're uh, vying for uh, an influx of cash into the company or your elevator pitch when you're out networking or uh, meeting people for the same time, it should all really stem from the same message that, that you have. So once you understand what it is, what you're all about and what purpose you serve, that story becomes very, very easy. But it does need to permeate every uh, aspect of what you do, whether it's through the uh, interpretation of the use of colors on ads or the logo, whether it's that key headline that, that you have, whether it's uh, simply the way you engage with people, it all comes back to that and it, it constantly is reinforced. There may be different ways of sharing it and telling it, but uh, in the end, it becomes the same message. Same message. And that's where that, yeah, that strength of consistency comes that uh, you're able to build a powerful brand because that's really what a, a brand does. You know, it's a consistently strong message that connects very well with people. I think about authenticity and our ability to be uh, true to ourselves when we tell stories. So I wonder, is it okay to tell both the good side of our story and the bad sides? I think that's part where uh, likely a professional or even someone who's well attuned to their story can answer that question uh, because sometimes showing the bad side or the challenges you face can uh, create a very strong empathy with your audience uh, you know and hearing that they want to see you do well on the other hand sometimes sharing uh, that bit of information can turn people off so it really depends on how well you know your audience and that that's really key you know know thy audience know yeah you know, what the expectation might be and what you can wade into. And this is this is why we often see with politicians, they, uh, you know, don't want to alienate anybody. So they try to be everything to everybody uh, and sometimes end up being nothing to nobody. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think uh, for a lot of our listeners, particularly those uh, who are succeeding in business, uh, you can define who that audience is. In the end, you cannot be everything to everybody. Uh, it's just not possible, but you can be the right thing to the right audience. And if you rep, you know, are able to capture a core part of the audience, then uh, and that leads to the success metrics that you need in terms of profitability and revenue. Absolutely, that, that's where you, you can be, but it stays true to yourself. Uh, and I, I think that's fundamental to genuine happiness in, in general. Thank you for the feedback. Again, loving this call now. Uh, how do you go about marketing your story and your brand once it's in place? Is there a, a format that works better for uh, one audience as opposed to the other? Is audio better than video or is it situational? You know, very situational. And I think you've identified it quite uh, nicely, Rick. And, and that's the idea of where your audience is potentially listening to your message. So if I am, um, you know, I have a product that might appeal to soccer moms and she spends most of her time in the car shuttling the kids around, maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's a, something related to radio. If it's business to business, perhaps LinkedIn might be the ideal form. Uh, you know, social media we know is very uh, well structured for a lot of consumer products, particularly amongst a certain uh, younger cohort. So again, understanding who the audience is and who you're appealing to uh, will help uh, garner a lot of that. You know? yeah. I think, that, again, the mistake a lot of people make is to think, I want to be 
this to everybody. And I think, you know, based on the amount of messages out there, the number and the size of the audience, it is very difficult to be everything to everyone unless you have the money and the budget to communicate to them. So this is a, a perhaps a smarter way of, uh, of taking care of your budget and knowing where you can focus so that you're not uh, spending uh, too much money trying inordinate. to get the message out there. Yeah, inordinate amounts of money in the wrong places. <laughs> I've certainly done that. Yes. Now, tell me, let's talk about the book itself. How long did it actually take you to write your book? You know, I think it was uh, certainly the byproduct of uh, COVID. So in my city, in my country, we were locked down for a period of time. So I started taking advantage of the uh, available time that we had being indoors to yep. uh, write every Saturday. And uh, over the course of a year, I began uh, putting chapters together, you know, uh, really articulating the process that I use for a lot of my clients. And it became an easy uh, form to write. And so chapter by chapter, I, I completed it was very lucky in terms of getting a publisher and uh here i am but you are. it's a yeah it's a wonderful uh sort of a uh, way to tap into a little bit of knowledge so without having to necessarily uh, uh pay for the consulting fees yes. so i look upon it as a bit of a, a business self-help book in that way absolutely uh, do you find did you find the process of writing therapeutic or was there challenges along the way tell us a little bit about the personal journey and what you learned about yourself you know, I, I think I can easily be distracted. <laughs> and I think that's true of a, a lot of people. You sit down, you have a discipline to, you know, I'm going to try to write a thousand words today and, and uh, it doesn't always go as planned. So I did work out a certain discipline uh, in that regard, Rick, that I did spend the Saturday mornings working on it. But what I did was I spent the first, I allowed myself an extra half hour off the top to be distracted just to do things, you know, yeah, it's yeah. so easy to you know, email comes in or a YouTube video you want to watch or a bill you have to pay. I took that first half hour and I said, okay, let's get it out of my system, take care of that. Now I can focus. And yep. it became easier as a result rather than to constantly have things in the back of my mind. Do you have anything else planned? Are you writing any more books, do you think? You know, I, I am going to try my hand at uh, fiction uh, just for the oh. pure pleasure of it. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've been very fortunate in that I've been uh, picked up by a Speakers Bureau. So uh, my focus, uh, at least professionally, is to uh, uh, do keynotes and uh, hopefully get out there and uh, be able to connect with people on, on that level. But uh, from a pure pleasure side of it, uh, the uh, the idea of writing fiction still uh, is uh, uh, sort of core to my heart. So I, I'd like to see if I can do that. You know, now that I've worked out the discipline for writing, maybe I can apply it to something that's a little bit more far-fetching in, in this way. I wonder, do you enjoy listening to an audio book now and then? You know, I um, I do um, every now and then, but I, to tell you the truth, I think I enjoy the written word. Yes. And I think I have a huge respect for the work that goes in, into it. So I know people who listen to an audio book, put it on double speed, triple speed, and <laughs> just get the essence of it. But there's something beautiful about the way the writer has put the words together and, and to enjoy the structure and everything that's been put together. I think I, I from my point of view anyway, I, I owe it to them to uh, to spend the time that way. 
Absolutely. I, I know that there is power in the pen. I've, I, I know this as an author. Um, and I wonder, there is a lot of aspiring authors and business owners and the likes listening into the show today, Henry. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit of advice for somebody who's uh, that aspiring author that wants to write a book, but they don't know the first step of writing a book. What would you tell them? You know, I, I think it's uh, definitely working out a plan. So many of us who come from a business environment are quite accustomed to strategic planning, working out an execution plan. So I think if you begin with that, uh, certainly that will help with the structure of, of writing in terms of mapping out all, all your chapters. So I think it's very much um, uh, uh, the way I see it is like a sculpture. You begin with a block of granite or a block of rock and you're chiseling away all the in, in essentials until you get to the essence of what you're trying to communicate. So I, I think first and foremost, what, what is your theme that you would like to share with people? And what is the sort of core idea? And that in itself, you do a little bit of research to see if anybody else has written to that. Now, how can I twist it? How can I present it a little bit differently with my take on it that might appeal to an audience? Now that you have that sort of set uh, goal to it, now looking at that sort of fundamental approach of writing it, how do I divide this up into numerous chapters? chapters. So each week, maybe spend that time on that chapter, enhancing it, speaking to people to do the research, looking it up uh, until you've sort of thoroughly uh, absorbed it and then translate it in, into things. Many of us have that ability to, you know, provide advice to people or provide direction when we're asked a question, whether it's through mentoring or, you know, through our team members and that directing them in, in such a way. This is really an enhanced version of it, uh, you know, getting into such detail that you're able to manifest, uh, you know, you know, 40,000 words that yes. kind of come out of it. I wonder, you touched on chapters earlier. So there's a two part question to this now, Henry, who is the book aimed at? Who's your, your best customer that should read the book? And, um, you know, tell us a little bit about the content and the chapters. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the theme is telling your story, uh, a professional guide to building your personal brand. And uh, that's really the essence of it. But it's for anybody who uh, is an entrepreneur, a founder of a company looking to take their story to market, whether it's through the product or through uh, themselves taking it to uh you know, uh, a, um, a pitch or uh, what have you. It's also really helpful for a lot of people building their career, people in them uh, and perhaps looking to ascend uh, within their uh, uh, career and business and yep. looking for how they can distinguish themselves. Because quite often, you know, we're, we think that just doing a good job uh, is enough and people will recognize us. Um, but it's a fundamental belief of mine is that if you don't tell your story, nobody else will. Or if you don't tell your story, perhaps somebody else will. It may not be the story you want them to hear. Mm -hmm. So be taking control of it, understanding your story and being able to share it in all its different forms is, I think, fundamental to uh, standing out uh, amongst all the competition, all the people you're, you're facing. That's great feedback. I think, you know, need to get my hands on this book. So if uh, somebody's on the call today, they want to get a copy, where are they going to find it? Uh, definitely on uh, uh, Amazon in the different forms it, itself. Um, in uh, On my website, uh, henrywong.co, you can find uh, a number of retailers in which you could acquire it. Uh, but in uh, uh, each of the countries, uh, there is a Amazon form and, and a different bookseller that uh, would, would take that take it on so you can definitely find it but uh start with that if, if you really want to uh, uh that would be great of course 
Of course, absolutely. If you're on today's call, you've enjoyed this call and you want to learn more about the topics that we've talked about, I'll be making sure that the links back to Henry and his wonderful book are available to you. No matter where you see the call, you're definitely going to be able to find those links. Uh, one click, go check it out. And with all that being said, Henry, I've really, really enjoyed speaking with you to, uh, today on the My Future Business Show. Thank you so much for having me, Rick. I've uh, super enjoyed uh, just talking to you. You have a wonderful manner about you and, and you put, I'm sure you put all your guests at ease like this.